just being able to sit out at night without any equipment. You're just there under the stars. You'll be able to see these little streaks of light going across. It's just a really cool experience to be part of, uh, I guess, this natural fireworks uh, display going on. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and right now we are in a very interesting time in history. We're not traveling, we're staying home more, and trying to learn life in this new normal. Now, there are still amazing experiences that can be had while social distancing, and one of those experiences is coming up very soon, the Perseids meteor shower. And for this episode of Experiences You Should Have, my guest is Nick Strobel. He has been teaching astronomy at Bakersfield College for 24 years and is the director of the William M. Thomas Planetarium at Bakersfield College. He has a PhD in astronomy from the University of Washington, and he is the author of Astronomy Notes website. So clearly, Nick knows what he is talking about. Well, let's get on with the interview. Well, welcome, Nick, to Experiences You Should Have podcast. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is so exciting. And I'm really excited about this episode um, on Perseid's meteor shower, because this is something uh, that people can do uh, if they can find, you know, dark skies, something that can be done while social distancing and the Perseid's meteor shower is coming up. So I am just very curious if you can just tell our listeners about one of your favorite times of seeing Perseid's meteor shower. Well, I was thinking of a, of a couple of, of times. Uh, one was, I guess, maybe my uh, earliest uh, memory of it was um, sleeping out at night. Uh, and, was, you know, growing up in, in, in Boise, Idaho, um, it was a nice summer night, and every now and then, uh, our parents would allow us to just put out sleeping bags and you know sleep out, <laughs> you know, in the backyard. And so, yes. uh, and uh, one of the times we chose was uh, for the Perseid uh, meteor shower, and so you know, just trying to stay awake, looking up at the at the sky, and, and Boise at that time was uh didn't have a whole lot of light pollution so we could see a lot of stars and um and 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 just you know just staring up at the sky for well next i don't know at least an hour <laughs> hour or two probably by then we go oh, i went to sleep but you know before then um just seeing the the nice star sprinkles of stars all around and then every now and then you'd see this bright flash just across the the sky and it's like oh my gosh and you know for me it was like i hadn't seen the meteor shower before it's like oh they're right you know there's there are these little things that just happen very quickly and you know you you don't uh you, you can't predict when the next one's going to be, so you got to stay awake and, uh, and <laughs> you're just looking off and and oh, there's something and 
you know, usually it's off sort of in the corner of your eye. It's not exactly right where you're looking because, you know, these things are sort of random in the way they're going to do it. Now, you know, we do know that if you were to sort of trace back the, the paths of all those little streaks for the Perseids, they would uh, center on a location near Perseus, which is why they're called the Perseids. Um, but, uh, you know, you can look wherever, anywhere in the sky. So we were looking at uh, this, just this section of sky. We just see just and uh, that that was really cool. Um, and then I think another time, a bit more recently, it was uh, with my wife. Uh, we went up to uh, a local observing site that's outside of town. So we had nice dark skies. And um, staying up there until about, uh, oh, it was probably around 11, 1130. Um, my wife is not as much of a night owl as, as I am. So she mm-hmm. was making, you know, sort of, uh, okay, it's okay. We've, we've seen some now. Now it's time to go. All right. All right. Just a little bit more. Okay. 10 minutes. And then you keep going. But anyway, we, uh, we were able to stay up there and um, nice, uh, comfortable temperatures uh, and just, nice dark sky and just every now and then just seeing these things go over. and some of them of course quite bright it's like oh my gosh that did that cast a shadow i know it was it was really <laughs> bright uh, but you know you just see these things flick on a uh on across this uh, you know a good stretch of the sky and every now and then there'll be one that will sort of linger there it's like you know it's either there's it can be because there's some little bits just of it left. And so it's almost like, you know, sizzling type of a thing across the sky. So there's a little bit of um, actual residue. Another, it's like almost it burns your retina. Sometimes things are so bright that they're, it's like, you get a little lame. But uh, most of them, of course, are much, much dimmer than that. Um, but every now and then the Perseids can put on a really good show um, of, they're they're known to have the most fireballs of uh, any of the the different uh, meteor showers, but uh, yeah, just being able to uh, sit out at night without any equipment, you're just there under the stars, you know. And if you're there long enough, you'll see the different constellations rise up in the east, and um, and then you'll you'll be able to see these little streaks of light going across. Um, and that's just a really cool experience to be part of, uh, I guess this natural fireworks uh, display going on. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I, it's just something that's happening naturally. And, and this, this happens every year. Yeah. And, and can you explain to our listeners Really, what is the Perseids meteor shower? Why why does it happen every year? Yeah, yeah, it happens. Um, well, with, with any uh, with any meteor shower, they are w- the Earth is running through the dust trail left behind by a comet, mm-hmm. and for the the Perseids, uh, it's Comet Swift Tuttle is the is the name of that one, and it. Uh, it has an orbit that comes pretty close to the Earth's orbit, and so we've got uh, you know this little dust, little bits, about the size of a grain of sand or smaller, mm-hmm. and you have these little bits just left along in the trail. And so for the Perseids, it's Swift Tuttle, and that. Uh, so when the Earth goes through that dust trail, then 
you know, whatever particular direction we seem to be headed in, you know, at that uh, time, it'll look like you have these, then these meteors are coming from a particular point in space. And just for for us going through the, the swift tunnel dust trail, left behind it it appears that all these things are coming from um like the perseus constellation just sort of right i don't know sort of upper left part of uh of the perseids and and so it because it's the earth running into this dust trail you are going to have uh these meteor showers occurring at the same time you know every year and there's just about uh all approximately one you know major meteor shower uh, every month, and there are several smaller ones every month. But the Perseids are the the really spectacular ones that everyone's heard of. Well, number mm-hmm. one, you know, it's during it's it's during summer break for a lot of uh, a mm-hmm. lot of kids, you know, growing mm-hmm. up, you know, and of course it's during the the summertime when it's comfortable to go outside. So there are a lot more people just doing that. Um, and yeah, I'd say, you know, having a, it be during summer break. So a lot of kids are, you know, available. <laughs> they aren't mm-hmm. told to go inside, time to study or anything. Well, no, no, it's summer break. We get to stay out late. And uh, it being then the really nice, comfortable uh, temperatures, you know, at night, for at least here in the Northern Hemisphere. Right. Um, that uh, makes it a real a well-known Percy well-known meteor shower and also it puts on a good show you know as far as meteor showers go it's it's got to be there in the top you know two or three now about how many meteors are can you see an hour um when it's peaking well okay that it well it really depends on the uh, how dark your sky is uh-huh. All right, so you've got the city lights to con, uh, to consider, and is the moon out? Um, this uh, this year, the the Perseids will peak when the moon is in the the third quarter or last quarter phase, and so that means the moon is going to be rising up, you know, after midnight. All right, so that means you know, in the sort of the early part of the you don't have to worry about any moonlight uh, washing out anything. Um, but if you, of course, if you can get on outside of the city, you know, well away from any of the city lights. And so you have a nice dark sky where you can see, say, all of the stars of the Little Dipper, not the Big Dipper, which you can see even from a you know big city, but the Little Dipper. If you can see all of the stars there and if you can see the, the Milky Way, OK, you've got a nice dark sky. Yeah. And that I mean, those are the best conditions for observing meteors. Um, if you're in the city, well, um, the Perseids, some of them can get bright enough that you can see them, you know, even with the, the city lights. Um, but, you know, you're not going to have as many. All right. So with all the, I guess, these caveats, um, you can see somewhere between, you know, maybe 40 to, to 70 meteors per hour. If you've got really good eyes. Wow. Now, my, my eyes aren't as good as as some others. So I'm going to see maybe 30, 30 to 40 you know, mm-hmm, per hour. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you've got some of these that are, uh, and particularly with, again, with the Perseids being uh, known for having some nice spectacular fireballs, um, 
the really bright meteors, because they have, seem to have a little bit bigger chunks uh, than some of the other meteor showers. So they'll, they'll have some really bright ones. You're, you're going to find more of those uh, with the mm-hmm. Perseids. Now, when is the Perseids meteor shower peaking um, in 2020? Okay, in 2020, it's going to peak on the night of August 11th to 12th. And what is the full date range of the Perseids meteor shower? Well, it's, uh, gosh, it's about a month long. (laughs) I mean, it's really, they're saying, you know, they're active now. And it's going to be active through uh, the middle of, of August. Yeah. So yeah, the the, the Perseids have a pretty broad, um, well, it's a pretty broad dust trail. So they'll they'll be going on for for quite a while. And so uh, you know, there are some other meteor showers that no, you really need to be there right on that particular date, you know, in order for you to see anything. But now the Perse again, and this is another reason why they're so spectacular. It's like okay, if you miss the peak, well, there's always tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'll it'll be good. Right. Uh, yeah. Now you mentioned finding dark sky. Um, are there good uh, resources out there for for people to find dark sky? Well, I tell you the um, the thing to do is to try and connect with your local astronomy club and see where they go for different for their different observing. Uh, places and uh-huh. you know the the local astron uh, they're gosh they're they're found in just about every uh, every city. There's going to be some sort of astronomy club. Yeah, um, and you can go to uh, was it nightsky.jpl.nasa.gov. Um, it's the night sky network, and and look up your uh, local astronomy club. That would you know that would be the best way uh, to find um, a, a nice location close to you. Um, but again, you know, if you can just get out of the city, you know, say ten, it really, if you can get out like ten to fifteen miles um, away from the city, and um, it would it would be better to get up at maybe a little bit higher elevation. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, and so for us here, uh, I'm 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 in Bakersfield, California, so I'm right down um, almost at sea level uh-huh. uh, in a really dusty area. So I have to get up out of the valley, and mm-hmm. uh, we I'll, I'll drive out about about forty five forty five minutes to sixty minutes outside of town just to get to where I can get away from all the all the glow that we have because Bakersfield's mm-hmm. a pretty big pretty big city. But again, if you can get to a spot where you can see the um, the Little Dipper stars, mm-hmm. all of the stars of the Little Dipper, it's the one that has the North Star at the at the tip of the handle, um, and or if you can see all of, if you can see a lot of the Milky Way, you know you've got a definitely a nice dark sky. But again, I would say that uh, uh, try and find uh, your local astronomy club, and you know, and ask them. And usually, you know the the astronomy club are, I don't know, they're pretty, uh, we'd say, what, uh, fervent believers in science evangelism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they really want to, they want to really want to connect people to, uh, to the cosmos. And so they're usually very willing to say, oh yeah, go here, go here. And like, and, and, you know, 
you know, for, for meteor observing, you don't need um, any sort of equipment. But for other sorts of astronomy observing, you know, they're really usually very willing to have you, you know, use some of their equipment or, you know, at least uh-huh. look look through their, their telescopes because that's, they just really like sharing the, the night sky. Um, yeah, I used to go to yeah. star parties. Yeah, and... star parties. They, they do this uh, all the time. Yeah. You know? um, we certainly do that here in, uh, with uh, the Kern Astronomical Society. We've got, uh, uh, well, not during the time of COVID, right. unfortunately, but, uh, you know, uh, before then we would be doing a public star parties uh, once or twice a month. We would yeah. try and do it around first quarter moon. So we would have, you know, a nice moon to look at at least. And we would do it right there in, right in town. So people didn't have to, to drive very far at all to get to us. So it was a nice convenient location um, for the public star parties. But then when we wanted to do some, you know, more observing of yeah. galaxies and gas clouds and all that, then we would go outside of town. But again, yeah. you know, just uh, we set the stuff up and if you had new club members just really new to astronomy it's like oh yeah take a look so what do you you know what do you see here in my scope and (laughs) right great yeah 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 we used to go out to the middle of nowhere florida and 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 members of the of the local astronomy club would break out their very large telescopes yeah and they would you know point it towards different things and show you and um I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and and so when we're talking about uh, uh, Perseid's meteor shower, you know, we're looking at meteors. But you're an astronomy professor, and I feel like we need to bring some Astronomy 101 here for our listeners. Okay. Uh, can you break down kind of the difference in between um, a comet, an asteroid, a meteor, meteorite, meteoroid. Um, yeah, break it down for us. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Um, well, let's start with, uh, we start with asteroid. Um, an asteroid is any, any space rock that's larger than about a, a meteor across. So, uh, and meteorites, well, meteor, oh, okay. There's meteoroid, (laughs) there's meteor, and then there's meteorite. So uh, when when asteroids bump into each other, little chips will break off. And, you know, if it's less than a a meter across, and and why a meter? meter, uh, It's just an arbitrary distinction. Okay, if it's it's a small thing, it's it's a meteoroid. If it is larger, it's an asteroid. And where do you draw the line? We're just going to say uh, a meter across, and we're fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. okay. So you get little chips of uh, of these asteroids uh, um, will break off when they when they hit each other. And while it's in space, we call that chunk of an asteroid a meteoroid. So O I D on the end. Mm-hmm. And then as that chip goes through the atmosphere and is producing this glowing trail, it's called a meteor. And then, you know, if it survives passage through the atmosphere and reaches the ground, it's called a meteorite. All right, so I-T-E on the end. Mm-hmm. And while it's in the atmosphere, there is, I guess, nothing on the end. <laughs> right. It's just meteor. All right, so you have those. And then a comet then is 
Um, it's another small body, you know, in our solar system made of, of uh, more volatile materials mixed in, uh, well, you know, dust and, and rocks mixed in a much more volatile materials like water, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, ammonia, methane, those things that, uh, those materials that if, say, were they were here on the surface of the earth, they would be a gas. Mm-hmm. So usually the the comet, you know, they they live far out uh, from the sun, so they're they're frozen. But uh, when they come on in, if they if they can get in close enough to the sun, then they will they will warm up and they will uh, those volatile materials again, like water, carbon dioxide, methane, ammonia, things like carbon monoxide and um, these, these ices, they will what we call sublimate. That is, they'll go directly from being frozen ice to being gas. And as they do that, then they will, uh, the, the dust rock and rock bits that are embedded all uh, mixed in there, well, they'll get released, shot on out. And often these things will have some pretty powerful jets, you know, squirting material on out um, as they're really warming up. And those little bits then will uh, sort of just trail along there in the, in the comet's orbit. And so after a while, after a comet has gone by the sun many, many hundreds of times, it can eventually just sort of, uh, well, sort of peter out, uh, just uh, run out of volatile materials. And some of the asteroids are actually um, now dead comets. Um, yeah, there's, what was it, 3200 Phaeton, if I remember the, the name correctly, is, is an example of one that uh, um, there's a meteor shower associated with it, but we now know it's, uh, well, it's an asteroid now uh, because it's no longer active. Um, and in some cases, then, you know, it's like, well, is, is it a comet or is it an asteroid? Well, a comet is, is a, a small body that can get active because it still has some of those, those, uh, those frozen ices uh, in it. But uh, when a comet becomes dead, it, it has no more of those uh, ices embedded in it. It's going to be called an asteroid. Now, there are then asteroids that have always been asteroids. They've never were active whatsoever. Um, so sometimes it's a little bit hard to maybe distinguish one from the other, and you just have to uh, you know, study them up uh, close to, to find out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And I'm just curious, uh, when viewing the Perseids meteor shower, is there a part of the Earth where you can't see this meteor shower if you have dark sky? Oh. Um, like, can the southern hemisphere see it? They should still be able to, to see some of, of those. Um, I'm just, you know, because, uh, that well, the radiant or where the, the meters appear to come from in the meter shower. The, the radiant mm-hmm. uh, for the Perseids is uh, right there in the Perseid, uh, Perseus uh, constellation. So if you want to see the, where the radiant is, well, that you would need to be in the more of the northern hemisphere. But uh, with, you know, these things will, will shoot across the entire sky. So uh, I think they're in the southern hemisphere. 
um, you should still be able to to see those. Um, yeah, yeah, you should should still be able to to do that. That is so interesting. You know, this worldwide phenomenon that people can just go outside and see from dark sky. Um, yeah, and and you don't need um, any equipment to see it. All you need are your eyes. Yeah. And well, a comfortable chair or a sleeping bag or something like that. But that's it. You know, this is really low tech. You do not want to use binoculars. You do not want to use telescope. You really just, you really need to just use your eyes. And I mean, and that's really nice. Uh, meteor shower is, uh, well, I guess true uh, uh, democratic. <laughs> Anybody mm-hmm. can, can see it, you know. So what would really be the preferred hours to be viewing it during the peak days? Okay. So uh, for for this uh, one in uh, 2020, um, it would be best to observe it before the moon rises. Um, and so that would be, you know, before midnight. Now, okay. you know, usually, uh, you know, you'll hear uh, that... Most meteors are going to be peaking after midnight, and and the, the reason for that is is that the Earth has rotated your your part of the Earth to being uh, going directly right into the stream. Um, before midnight, all you're really going to get are much more of the, the faster meteors, the ones that can sort of catch up to the Earth. But when after midnight, your part of the Earth is going right in the same direction that the Earth is moving. And so you can get even the, quote, slower uh, meteors um, uh, reaching uh, the Earth. But uh, this year, we also have that, you know, a, a first, excuse me, a third quarter or last quarter moon uh, rising up after midnight. And so that is going to dampen some of the, the, the meteors just because of the sky glow. So you got sort of these competing effects, you know, going on, um, you know, as, as a general rule, you want to be doing it sort of like after midnight, but, uh, because of where the, what the moon's going to be doing, I'd say you probably want to do it before midnight. Well, okay, that's great. So that means you don't have to get up really late, late at night to have a, probably the, the better show. You want to do it before midnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's great. Now, do you have any tips for maybe anybody that wants to take pictures of the meteor shower? Uh, taking pictures. Um, well, you know, it is, uh, well, you want to use, I guess, a regular, you know, digital um, SLR you know, camera, one that can leave the, the shutter open for maybe, you know, at least a few seconds. Um, you know, not too much longer than that. And, and you're just going to point it up at a, a section of the sky and just sort of keep um, clicking the, the thing to, and hopefully uh, you will happen to catch a meteor or two going across your field of view. But as I say, you, you, we can't predict where a particular one is going to go on across. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, if, if you really want to try and catch a, um, the meteor on film, you know, you get multiple cameras and you're just click, 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 
click. <laughs> just, you know, it's just, just electrons, you know, you just uh, use up your memory. Just, 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 <laughs> and hopefully you'll get, to, I mean, really, that's really what it comes down to. So, you know, get, you see these shots uh, um, that are in the, uh, in the astronomy magazines. And those are uh, ones that they, well, either they're a composite, so they've put different, um, you know, different shots together to make it look like, oh, there, wow, there was all these things coming from all over the place. It's like, well, no, <laughs> there was one time here, and then we took another shot here. But they had it pointed sort of in the same direction, and they just took a, a number of photos until you know they found some that, oh yeah, boy, there was a meteorite in there. Uh huh. So, yeah, yeah, so that, that's what you'd have to do. And uh, well, but, you know, it's a good thing, though, that you're doing it at night. And because uh, night shots um, don't take as much uh, memory, uh-huh. you know, because it's black sky. So yeah. black, you know, that's going to take any much uh, memory at all. You can have little points of light. Well, as far as a JPEG picture goes, you know, you aren't using up much uh, memory to, to take uh, something like that. So, yeah, you just click, click, click and just spend your time clicking away on it and yeah. you'll eventually get something in there. Fine. Absolutely fine. And, and just curious about the, the rest of uh, 2020, uh, what celestial events are on your radar to, to try to go see? Huh? I was, uh, yeah. Trying to think of ones that, um, you know, the things that I'm, uh, well, I was hoping to do <laughs> was actually going to an eclipse. Ooh. Um, that was, you know, that was down in what Chile and Argentina. Right. So, uh, and this was like in December. Well, okay. That's, uh, that's not going to happen. You know, yeah. sorry, you know, with all the, the COVID stuff. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to travel down to that. Um, the, uh, on December 21st, there is going to be a real close meeting of uh, Jupiter and Saturn. We call it a conjunction. Uh-huh. Um, that happens about every 20 years. We'll get a, a nice one. And so now, however, <laughs> uh, this one is they're going to be pretty close to the sun on our sky when they're doing that. So that's going to be a little bit of a, a downer with that one. But, you know, when you got these two, you got the two largest planets in our solar system getting really close to go in the sky, it's going to, they're going to look like a really bright star. Um, it, you just, you would look for them really low in the West just after sunset. And actually on December 16th, there's going to be a nice waxing crescent moon right below them. So you know, just, you want to talk about pictures, that would be a nice uh, shot to, to get uh, there. And in fact, uh, that particular conjunction, I think, is going to be the closest conjunction since uh, the one they had in 1623. Wow. So there, there's that. Um, now, uh, yeah, I mentioned about the total solar eclipse that, unfortunately, I'm not going to go to. Uh, yeah. But that was December 14th. There was that happening. So uh, for those you know, listeners there, and of course in Southern Hemisphere, you know, they won't have to travel far uh, for that one, but uh, check that one out. Um, yeah, as far as what's left, um, well, you know, even before the Perseids, 
there is the the Delta Aquarid meteor shower that is actually going on right now. It peaks on the night of July 29th and 30th. Now, the the moon's going to be in first quarter, which means it will set after about 1 a.m. All right. Well, that means uh, when the Earth has moved your part, has rotated your part of the Earth to be in the direction of Earth's motion, the moon should be below your horizon. So you might be able to see some of those. And that one you can see up to about roughly about 25 meteors per hour. Mm -hmm. Um, Not quite as much as, you know, the Perseids, but it's it's another one to to check out. Um, There is the... Other uh, other meteor showers that are happening, um, the Orionid meteor shower is going to peak on the night of October 20th and 21st. Mm-hmm. The The moon's going to be at a waxing crescent. Okay, uh, crescent, you know, you got the little sliver, and, and the waxing means that as the days or nights go by, you'll mm-hmm. see more and more of it lit up. So it's getting bigger and bigger. So waxing crescent. But if it's a waxing crescent, it means it'll set pretty early in the night. All right, great. So that means you're gonna you're not gonna have to worry about moon glow, right? Um, that one, it's not doesn't produce as many as the Perseids, but you'll still see some. Um, I think that one may be up to fifteen per hour. The uh, the Leonids this year will also uh, be in a, a favorable time in which they're again there's a, a waxing crescent moon, so it's going to set. Right. Uh, soon after sunset. So that uh, means then you won't have to worry about moon glow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are the Geminids that are December 13th, 14th. Those uh, will have the moon at new phase. Okay, well, if it's new phase, then it's it's not up at all uh, at night. So you won't have to worry about moon glow uh, with them. The Geminids, they can be a really nice uh, meteor shower. Um, they can... They can produce as many or maybe even more than what uh, the Perseids will do. Now, they aren't going to have as many of the the fireballs, uh, the big bright uh, ones going on across, but they do, uh, they usually put on a pretty good show. Um, So you, again, you want to get out away from from town with that one. Now, of course, the drawback for that is it's the middle of December, so it's going to be cold. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah. So, yeah, those are some of the... Um, celestial things that are happening. And then, of course, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of the, the launches that are going to be happening of spacecraft that are going to be heading to Mars. And that's going to be happening here at the end of, well, actually, I think we were supposed to have one uh, with the uh, United Arab Arab Emirates uh, that was supposed to, to launch. Um, and then NASA's Perseverance is going to be uh, taking off at the end of this month. So I'm really looking forward to, to those two uh, missions. Fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I just feel like looking up at the night sky is a, is a great hobby uh, that people can, can do, especially now. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And, you know, if, uh, during these uh, COVID times, uh, you can, uh, you want to be outside um, so that you're not enclosed, um, right. and you, you can still do, uh, some observing with, with people, you know, social distance there, but if you're doing it outside, that's, that's the, the way to go. If you're going to have any sort of gathering with people, 
because you got to do it outside. Yeah. And and just curious. So if, if people are watching uh, uh, the Perseids meteor shower soon and maybe they're looking at the constellations and they're like, well, maybe I should be doing this more often or um, going out and looking at the night sky. Uh, do you have any recommendations for maybe a beginner telescope uh, for people who want to, you know, try a new hobby? Well, okay. What Actually, what I would uh, suggest that uh, people do is to, again, connect up with their local astronomy club mm-hmm. and, and at a star party, look through some of the different telescopes and the, you know, any of the members are going to be really willing to, to tell you uh, about their telescope and the process that they went through to decide, you know, some of it has to do with, uh, well, how much money are you going to want to spend? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you get too big of a telescope, you're, you're not going to want to take it out. Well, telescopes feel real bad if they aren't used. So, yeah. you know, you want to, uh, um, Start out with a, a smaller scope, say, uh, and, and telescope sizes are measured by the diameter of the tube, okay, not the length of it. So it's, the, it's the diameter of the tube. So uh, a telescope that's, say, like four to six inches across um, is usually the, the better one um, to start out with. Um, well, actually, maybe even starting out with binoculars might be the way to go, just to sort of learn the sky. Yeah. Um, when you can see it under a little bit higher magnification and seeing just a lot more stars. Uh, so becoming familiar with that away. But, uh, you know, you can get a decent sized telescope that say anywhere from like four to six inches across for, you know, uh, uh, two to three hundred dollars. Um, and, you know, I'd say like Orion or Mead or Celestron um, are some of the uh, ones to check out. But there are other uh, telescope companies as well that make some really good telescopes. But again, I would uh, check with your local astronomy club. Our, uh, My local one, the, the Current Astronomical Society, if you are a member, and it's real cheap to become a member, mm-hmm. uh, if you're new members, they get first dibs on the, the club telescopes. Some of our... Uh, members have actually built telescopes and they we have ones that are like a, a six inch diameter one one that's like an eight inch and i think maybe the largest one is either 13 or a 14 inch diameter one um and they're made to be just really portable of course the bigger they are it's it's a little bit less portable um but uh, we we give them first dibs on it, and that would be the thing to do to sort of get used to using a telescope. And the the only cost for that would be you know the annual membership in the club, which is really dirt cheap. I think ours is like twenty five bucks a month, so, nice. or a, a year. I mean twenty five yeah. bucks a okay. year. Yeah. So real real cheap. Um, and I and I think you know other astronomy clubs are probably the same way. You know, have similar things like that, but at least uh, being able to look through the the different telescopes and the members, you know, they'll they'll usually tell you, well, yeah, this is a good feature of this telescope, but I have problems with this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, you know, there's pros and cons uh, to it. So uh, part of it is going to depend on how much you want to spend uh, to it. Um, 
you you know, just try and buy from a reputable company. Um, if you go to skyandtelescope.com, they have a, a section on their website all dealing with reviews of different mm-hmm. equipment, um, things to be looking for in buying a, a telescope. I have stuff on my website, astronomynotes.com, about uh, telescopes and, you know, basic properties of telescopes and, and then things to look at uh, for buying. But uh, really, I think the the main thing is is that you want to tell you want to buy a telescope that you are that you're going to want to use. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be portable enough for you to want to go out and and observe. Because mm-hmm. if you get something that is complicated to set up, it might have you know a lot of great features there. But if it doesn't get used. It's a very sad telescope. <laughs> yeah. So, and we do not want sad telescopes. Yeah, we do not want sad telescopes. No. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. Hopefully, we've ignited some sparks or um, really inspired yeah. people to go out and, and look at the night sky. Yeah, I hope that people will go out and take a look at the the, the Perseids. They're just gonna they should put on a really good show. And again, you don't need any equipment for it. You just need yeah. your eyes. Yeah. Um, and just uh, well, another thing I would suggest uh, is you go out with at least one other person because um, mm-hmm. there's no way that you can get see the entire sky. And as you're getting a little bit tired, you can nudge each other to stay awake. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, I will be out there watching and, and hope my listeners out there will be as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you again. And would love to have you on the show again in the future. Maybe talk oh, about a different celestial event. That would be great. Well, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we were able to connect and, and do this. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. And if you're out there watching uh, the Perseids Perseids Meteor Shower, then I highly recommend you downloading the app SkyMap. And that can help you locate uh, constellations, uh, maybe help you understand what is in the sky above you. Because, yes, you might be looking at lots of meteors, but then you might be like, well, what is that over there? And you might discover something new and maybe ignite a new passion for the sky, which I feel like this is a great thing uh, to learn, especially now. Um, So go contact your local astronomy club. Maybe learn more about the night sky. And if you want to review anything that you heard about today, uh, go to experiencesyoushouldhave.com, click on episodes, and there we'll have full show notes um, about this episode there. And we are a growing podcast, so if you could please share this podcast uh, with a friend, neighbor, people that you come across, please tell them about experiences you should have. And if you have an interesting experience that can be replicated that you would like to share, please contact me. Go to experiencesyoushouldhave.com, click on contact, and send me a note about that unique experience around the world. And until 
our next adventure. <laughs>